Welcome to the Wordsmith Podcast. I'm Josh Bennett, lead pastor of Awaken Church, joined by Matthew Grady Calhoun hey. and Shane Suggs. What's up? And we're here on the eve of one of the greatest sports weeks of the year, the Masters. That's right. You got, you got some fans of the Masters? I am. When I had cable, I would watch it because I was in Texas and I just missed Georgia. Yeah. But I don't yeah. really care about golf. <laughs> Man, it is one of the most dedicated watching things that I do is for the Masters. I mean, like for sports. I watch yeah. the Masters very with great devotion. I will start it, it, watching it Thursday it morning at 8 a.m. Influenced the name of one of your children. It did. Um, our daughter, Harper. In fact, just a little reference. All three of our kids have middle names that start with A that are sports related. So Sawyer's Athens. I think that's pretty obvious why. Um, Finn is Anderson for Anderson, the Spider Silva, greatest MMA artist of all time. And Harper is Azalea for the 13th hole at the Masters. Yeah. So is Tiger going to compete? Man, he is going to compete, and I'm going to go. I'm going to make a bold prediction and say he's going to make the cut. Wow, that that is really bold considering where he's at right now. And they shot a 33 on the front nine yesterday. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, they keep saying it's going to be a tee off decision. Like he won't know until it comes down to it. There is uh, at least rumor that okay, look, and and this part's true. There's there's no way around it. Tiger Woods is the biggest drawing name in golf. Absolutely, J- people will watch just be- just because they're curious if he's going to play or not. So there are some conspiracy theorists that think well, PGA got him to say, "Hey, I may play or may not." He has no intentions of playing, but they're going to get him to say that just so viewership will bump up because uh, because he's the best thing going in golf if he plays or if he doesn't play. So they're like, no, the PGA just offered him a boatload of money just to start a rumor that he may play. But he's playing. Yeah, maybe he's playing. He is playing. Uh, I got. I would go ninety-five percent sure he's playing. Really? Yep. It's, like, it's going to be very rigorous. I mean, because the the Masters yeah. is very healing. The, the, and, there's no question that he could play the four rounds of golf and play them probably competitively. The question is, can he walk the course four days in a row? And is he in the conditioning to do that? Those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I mean, but they say that where he's at to be able to even think about doing it is like not normal anyway. Like yeah. he shouldn't be in this position this early. So they say, you know, he's been training and doing his physical therapy and everything. Like uh, he wants to just, play. Yeah, and, just and like crazy. When Tiger wants to do something, what happens? He does it. Yeah, he does it. When he wants to do it, he does it. So I think Tiger's going to play. Um, I hope he plays. It's great. It's great for golf. You know his last goal in golf, right? To be the oldest winner of the Masters. Really? He'd, it would have to be next year. He would beat Jack Nicholas next year if he was the oldest. If he won the Masters next year. Hmm. All right. So quickly before we move on, do you have a prediction or somebody you rooting no, for? No, no, no. I'd, uh, I'd I'd love to see him play. Tiger play. Um, but I yeah I have no. I don't I don't ever make predictions because it's such a. Man, it 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 could it can turn. When you, you pick know? somebody against the field, yeah, Matthew, you got a prediction, a player you root for? Um, Bill Murray. Bill Murray is not going to win the Masters, uh, but that's good. Um, so I root for Jordan Spieth. I don't know why. I like the kid. My kids love the kid. I hope he wins. He always plays well at the Masters, but I think Justin Thomas is going to win the Masters this year, mm-hmm. and I would be okay with that. I like Justin Thomas as well. I mean, there's a few that I I kind of I I watch, kind of keep up with, yeah. like um, like like Rory. Yeah, but uh, what's his name? Uh, Dustin Johnson. I, I yeah, and like see, him. I've lost touch with golf a little bit over the last couple of years because all the big names now, I, I don't know as well. Sure. Um, I am not a Cameron Smith fan. Probably great guy. I just don't like messy mullets. It's just not. It just bothers me. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to get away from him. Um, Patrick yeah. Cantley's pretty good. Bubba's still out there. Bubba's still out I'll there. I'll Bubba. Um, okay, might as well. Shetner. Watch your mouth. <laughs> is he's playing really well? So we'll see. We'll, we'll see. It should be an interesting thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to go with Justin Thomas, though. Okay. All right, let's transition. Great, great conversation starter question for this episode. What's the one thing you hate about technology, and what's the one thing you love about technology? I hate everything and love nothing uh, about technology. <laughs> like you just stole Pastor Matt's answer. No, here's the deal. Technology, like, it could be, like, if you're talking about the Internet or um, – Things like that, uh, that would be true. But if you're talking about like television or radio, that, I mean, that's considered technology. Like, I love that kind of technology. Sure. Um, but like, 
no, like cell phones and stuff like that. I just, uh, man, it's 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 more of a necessary burden for me than it is, sure. a you know, a joy to have. Mm-hmm. So I don't I don't like it at all. I mean, everyone's pro technology because you know a hammer is technically technology, right? <laughs> Uh, that's not typically what people mean, but it still fits the definition. Um, so let me see. One thing I hate, one thing I love. Um, I, one thing I hate about technology is that you can get um, in contact with anybody pretty much anytime ever. Um, so you could be in constant contact with somebody in Thailand right now, and you could talk with that person all day long. And the problem is, like, you've, you, it's too much of a good thing. Like, you run out of, like, what are we... What are we supposed to talk about? <laughs> um, so, like, you can have, like, what used to take, like, months and years to learn about somebody. You could almost figure out in, like, the span of a couple of weeks or something. So that's just aggravating. It makes yeah. it de... What's the word I'm looking for here? It devalues, you know, traditional human contact that you can just talk with anybody anywhere. Um, so that's one of the things I hate. One of the things I love is that you can talk to anybody anywhere. You can actually, yeah, like if you've got loved ones in Thailand, you can talk to them. You can keep up with them. Yeah, the thing is, like, I, I get what you're saying. Like, when, whenever you meet somebody, like when I go home to be with my family, mm-hmm. you what know, used to, you know, you'd, you'd catch up on everything. Yeah. Now you don't have to catch up. You have social media and all this stuff. So there's really nothing to catch up on. Mm-hmm. All you can do is hash out some yeah. other you things. you got to say, oh, this, yeah, I saw it on Facebook. Oh, yeah, yeah. oh, yeah, I saw it on Facebook. Yeah, like, so... Yeah, it takes away from that. But then, again, if you've got someone that you love that's on the other side of the world, you can actually keep it. You don't have to wait on letters or anything like you used to. Or, um, but man, it's fun getting a letter. It is fun to get it's a letter. It's exciting. I said was. Oh, was. I, I don't think well, I've gotten a letter in a really no, long time. Oh, it would be, but it just doesn't happen. <laughs> no, I still get them. I still get them. You get letters? Yeah. From who? Uh, different people. I mean, I have some people who send me letters um, because Pin-house. I'm a church planner. Yeah, like, not sense. talking about that guy that sends a card with his name on it. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I've, I, from time to time, I get, I get letters. I believe well, it. Well, yeah. good for you. Yeah, I mean, I. I love it. letters. So write me a letter, somebody. I love letters. I haven't gotten one in a really long yeah, time. Yeah. Don't write me a love letter. Don't understand, misunderstand no, my words no, there. That, that wouldn't, that wouldn't go well. Write at me all. a letter. Yeah. So, I mean, just for the sake of of summary, it is that the constant contact, ease of contact, is both a good thing and a negative thing. Would would kind of be where I would land. Yeah. The thing I love, I'm going to reverse order here because, anyway, the thing I love about technology is the convenience. Yeah. I mean, it makes everything more convenient. Checking emails on the go, you know, you can solve problems quickly with a phone in your hand. Um, in fact, I saw an article the other day, or not an article, it was a, a meme or something, meme as Pastor Shane calls them or something. But anyway, it was a page from 1990 of Radio Shack. It was like yeah, the front yeah. page of their sales paper, and there were like all the, I mean, tons of things, thousands of dollars. And it said, do you realize everything on the front page of this Radio Shack is now on your phone? Sure. Yeah. Like, it was every little aspect. And I was like, well, that's kind of convenient. The thing I hate about technology is what it is doing to our culture. I just, I'm going to sound like an old man here for a minute, but I see very little good that's taken place because but, of... But what you're talking about, though, what we're all talking about is personal technology. Because, like, I yeah. would I would venture to say nobody says, like, the advancements in medical technology yeah. isn't like great for society, and and uh, you know we're able to live a better quality of life yeah, for yeah, longer. Yeah. No, I think you could find people who would argue that's a bad thing. Yeah, because now you have people who are living into triple digits, and they really have no quality of life. They're just living their yeah. entire lives in their bed. I, mean, I want to be clear; I'm not making that argument, but you yeah. can definitely find and, people who are but, making that argument. And I can understand that. But for the sake of me, I, I am talking about person. I'm talking specifically social media and cell phones. Yeah. Sure, yeah. I think they're degrading our culture so quickly mm-hmm. that I almost find myself praying we have something happen to where we can't have them anymore. And I don't even know how that can end well. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I don't know what could happen. In, but if something like if the whole world would just go, we have decided social media and cell phones are bad. I would be the first person to sign the form to go, let's get rid of them. The conveniences to me do not outweigh yeah. the yeah. damage that it has done. And maybe I'm thinking like that because I have small children who want phones. I don't know. I just. I'll need to divest my stock before they do that, though, because <laughs> yeah, that can well, be really bad. We're making it about you. I mean, it really. I, I mean, I could go on a hey, soapbox about this forever. Social made me but, that way. But it really, it scares me for our future. And maybe I'm just an old man that sure. doesn't keep up with the times. But A fun fact about that. So if you talk to the owners and the presidents and the CEOs of those companies, 
the companies you're, we're talking about social media we're talking about any kind of tech company apple all that stuff those that have children and most of them do by the way um, actually above average in terms of um, the rest of the american population they don't let their kids use social media they don't let their kids use cell phones they don't let their kids use ipads so the people who have made their living and made riches beyond our conceive uh, beyond what we can conceive off of this stuff that they've sold to us, they don't let their kids use because it. Because they know so. the danger is greater than any of us. That's do. right. Yeah. And that is one reason why I put something over the camera on my <laughs> MacBook. Yeah. Um, I don't know if there's anything to it, but I, I knew a guy who was into cyber technology, and he did it. So I was like, well, if it's good enough for him, yeah. it's good enough for me. Good enough for me. I had a friend in Arizona. He worked IT for a defense contract company. And um, he told me, if you could set in one of my briefings, you would never want to get on the internet again. Yeah, just one. <laughs> and so that scared me a lot. Yeah. If I think if we could all agree to just burn it all to the ground, yeah, I would. I would even sacrifice television. But the thing is, the grid's everything. there. You I would can't sacrifice really, it once all. You're on if the we grid, could. it's really it would be difficult, if not impossible, to get off of the grid. It is. I'm sure. just saying, as a society, if we could find a way to sacrifice it all and be done with it, I would be on board. Yeah. I, that's a trade I would take. I'm I mean, not saying it wouldn't to, be painful. No, I mean, I want to. I really, really want to, but it is what it is. Mm-hmm. But in today's society, you can't really, unless everybody does it. So yeah, everybody, jump on board with Pastor Josh. Yeah. Let's do this together. You can't be like Ron Swanson and just take your computer and throw it into the, <laughs> yes. the garbage. That doesn't work. You're still on the grid. doesn't work. They still way. got your info. So... All right, let's get such a great, great thing. All right, we're going to wrap up this season of the Wordsmith Podcast by looking at two books of the Bible. Crazy, mm. ambitious, mm-hmm. but they're really short. And so Pastor Matt's going to read for us 2nd and 3rd John um, together. All right, 2nd John. The elder, to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in the truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth, because of the truth that remains in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. I was very glad to find some of your children walking in truth, in keeping with the command we have received from the Father. So now I ask you, dear lady, not as if I were writing to you a new command, but one we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. This is love, that we walk according to his commands. This is the command, as you have heard it from the beginning, that you walk in love. Many deceivers have gone out into the world, They do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. This is the deceiver and the antichrist. Wash yourselves so you don't lose what you have worked for, but you may receive a full reward. Anyone who does not remain in Christ's teaching but goes beyond it does not have God. The one who remains in that teaching, this one has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your home and don't greet him. For the one who greets him shares in his evil works. Though I have many things to write to you, I don't want to use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face so that our joy may be complete. The children of your elect sister send you greetings. Third John, the elder, to my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Dear friend, I pray that you are prospering in every way and are in good health, just as your whole life is going well. For I was very glad when fellow believers came and testified to your fidelity to the truth, how you are walking in truth. I have no greater joy than this, to hear that my children are walking in truth. Dear friend, you are acting faithfully in whatever you do for the brothers and sisters, especially when they are strangers. They have testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God, since they set out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from pagans. Therefore, we ought to support such people so that we can be co-workers with the truth. I wrote something to the church by Die Off the Trees, who loves to have first place among them, does not receive our authority. This is why, if I come, I remind him of the works he is doing, slandering us with malicious words, and he is not satisfied with that. He not only refuses to work welcome fellow believers, but he even stops those who want to do so and expels them from the church. Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. The one who does good is of God. The one who does evil has not seen God. Everyone speaks well of Demetrius, even the truth itself, and we also speak well of him, and you know that our testimony is true. I have many things to write to you, but I don't want to write to you with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace to you. 
The friends send you greetings. Greet the friends by name. Okay, two different letters by John here. Um, very personal letters, very short letters, very to the point. So let's go ahead and dive into Second John. Um, he addresses it to the elder, to the elect lady and her children. Who is the elect lady and her children? As in the last episode, there are multiple understandings of this. Yeah. Um, some people believe that he was speaking to a specific woman in the church, a woman that would have been well-known, and about her children. And then some, which I would lean towards this camp, uh, he was talking about a well-known church and the congregants of that church. Because, And the reason I would lean that way is because he, he uses kind of that loose language, uh, that metaphoric language throughout Second and Third John. Like when he's talking about Gaius, he says, you know, I, I like to see that all my children are doing well. He doesn't mean that literally as if they were if they were his children. So he's using that in a metaphoric sense of fellow believers that, that came to faith under his ministry. Um, so I would, I tend to kind of lean that way, thinking that, that John is talking about this, this lady and her children. Now, and, and, but I, I'm not dogmatic on that. That's yeah. just the way I lean to, to believe just because I'm taking both letters as a whole. Mm-hmm. I see him using that language sort of. Yeah, he doesn't seem like to that. have a problem using names. Yeah. And so, talk well, about- well, here's the thing. He only uses one name in both letters because everybody else he he cut. And it maybe it's because no, he uses going- three names in the second letter. Oh, Diotrephes um, and Demetrius. Well, some some people believe Diotrephes is because I forget what Diotrephes exactly means, but it may not be a proper name. Hmm. Okay, I don't I don't know. Gaius is definitely a proper name. Gaius is kind of like saying John or George, or it's a very. So, would you think Demetrius wasn't an actual name? Too? No, uh, I don't. I don't see anything where Demetrius wouldn't be an actual name. It's just Diotrephes when I, when I've studied up on it because I and I can't remember. I apologize. I can't remember. Well, we won't get ahead of ourselves because that's the second yeah. half of the episode. So, yeah. but anyway, so I tend to think that he's he's speaking metaphorically. I, 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 he's uh, he's speaking in personification rather than speaking about a person. But I also believe he does that with calling himself the elder. I don't think he's talking about his position. I think he's talking about his age or maturity in the faith. Mm-hmm. That's that's what that's the way I lean. Um, most people believe that John's probably, I want to say, in his nineties at this point, or at least ninety. He's 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 aged. I guess is is a proper way to say that. By this, so I think he's talking about that when he says elder. He's not talking about his position, but that's the way I lean in understanding these letters. So, yeah. So we talked last episode about plain reading of the text. That was my interpretation when just reading it without any study or looking into it. Is that he was talking about the church? Mm-hmm. Yeah. To a, yeah. maybe a, even a particular church. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, there are people because um, I immediately went to Bride of Christ. You know, right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, and that would have been my understanding <clears throat> as well. I was just looking at some of the, like when he's talking about Gaius, and he's saying, "Hey, it's good for me to see my children walking in the faith." He yeah. he uses, the, he applies the terminology in that same sense. So I I would assume he applied yeah. it in the and throughout first the first part. letter too. He called the church several times his little children, my right? Dear yeah. Little children. Yeah. Um. And it referred to uh, like Timothy, his son in the faith. So yeah. it's, it's, it was common it for John. With right. It was common for writing John's style. writing um, style. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Pastor Matt, did you have a contrarian thought? Uh, no, no contrarian thoughts. Um, I think Second John is referring to a church. Okay. Yeah, so we're all why pretty well in agreement. Why there. he can't directly speak to someone in particular, I don't know. Maybe it was a church that was under a great deal of persecution, didn't want to have somebody's name down. That, yeah. That's the that's the uh the more common uh thought of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. thought of, of that is reason he did that was because and that, that may be why he didn't name himself. You know, he called yeah. himself the elder. That could very well be the case as well. So so yeah. perhaps I mean it 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 would I mean, it would be understandable if, if that was the sure. situation. A lot of speculation so, required yeah. there, but mm-hmm. I do think he's talking about a church. Uh, in verse 5, he says, So now I ask you, dear lady, not as if I were writing you a new command, but one you have heard from the beginning. So he's reemphasizing to the church there something that he has said um, from the beginning. Why is it good for us to hear things we've already heard? Well, if you're like me, you forget. Um, 
so easily. And I just, if if you're listening to this, if you've ever had to walk back in a room to remember why you went in there in the first place, mm-hmm. th- that's where it starts. And so, like, I have to be reminded. If so, if I had to be reminded where my keys are, then I mean, the truths of the faith, uh, sure. which which are much more weighty, mm-hmm. uh, I would definitely have to be reminded of those. Often, the simple truths of the gospel are just yep. something that you this, mm-hmm. we should never get over. Some yeah. passion. Well, and especially say. in a church context, if you don't repeat the solid truths, the important things, they get lost. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. you just if you say it one time and it's gone. Then it's gone. Yeah, and here's look, this is just a, a kind of a practical application. We put announcements uh, of things that the church is doing. We put them in the bulletin. We put them, you know, uh, social media. We put them in several different forms of communication, and people will still ask us, "Hey, what are or what are we doing on this day, or what is this all about?" And it's like, well, we we put it in three or four different locations, and and that's not. That's not like uh, getting on anybody in any sense because that we would do it as well. I'm just saying that's that's human nature, like to forget and not understand, and and so it has to be communicated clearly and often. Um, if we have to do that with, you know, egg hunts during Easter or something, then surely we would have to do that with uh, doctrine. Yeah. Well, and going back a few episodes when we had the story where. I um, tied all the cars together. You asked me, like, how do you remember that? Because it was so long ago. And the truth is, the reason, and I miss this, the reason I remember it is because the story's been told over and over again, and it continues to brought, bring it to my mind. Mm-hmm. So where it's been a living memory, and the same thing's with truth. As we continue to bring it up, it becomes a living element, and it's important to do those things. Yeah, and especially another example of this would be, or the wisdom of this, is when you're little, right? When you're five, you're six, you're seven years old. One of the first ways you learn as a kid is through repetition. Sure. Right? And those are some of the most formative years of your life. Uh, you learn, as somebody said years ago, I mean, everything you need to live a life uh, in this world, you learn by kindergarten, basically. Yeah. Well, I, which I, there's a fair amount of truth to that if you stop and think about it. Sure. So, I mean, repetition is how we enter into learning in general. So it's one of it's by no means the only way, but it's one of the ways that we learn. It's just hearing over and over and over yeah. again until it kind of gets deep into your own psyche. It's one of the first things I learned about um, preaching at Bible College. One of our professors, Dr. Garnet Reed, said when he first went into the pastorate, he went to the church and he said, my goal for the first few years was to preach no familiar passage. He said, I found the most obscure passages, the things nobody's ever preached on. He said, because I want these people to hear what they've never heard. He said, and after a short time, one of his deacons pulled him aside and said to him, Garnet, do you know those good stories in the Bible? Like David and Goliath and Jonah and the whale. And, mm-hmm. and Dr. Reed was like, yeah, yeah. He said, I, I try to stay away from those. Everybody's heard them. He said, well, they're good for a reason. And if you don't preach them, they won't be good anymore. <laughs> because, And the point was people forget them. The reason, sure. the reason they're good is because people have preached them over and over again. That's why they... Almost everybody in and outside of the faith can recall John and the Well or um, David and Goliath because they become so commonly referred to. And so it's important for us to continue those things. And he talks about walking in love. This is the love that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment you have heard it from the beginning that you walk in love. What does it mean to walk in love? Well, he gives the definition to obey his commandments. That's, that's what it means to walk in love, mm-hmm. yep. to know him to follow yeah, and in many ways the second and third john just become a summary of what first john was and he yeah talks and then when he says that, that he's like look i'm not telling you anything new i'm like i'm i'm trying to hammer home mm-hmm. yeah a lot of these same things yeah so. if you remember from the very first episode of the season we talked about this idea that it's most commonly believed that both second john and third john are essentially what in modern language we would call cover letters so they would have came with the actual first john or what have you um, so it, it would make sense to kind of go ahead and refer to some things that are in this deeper letter or what have you once you kind of get into it. Right. Mm-hmm. And he says, Many deceivers have gone out into the world. They do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. This is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourselves so that you do not lose what we have worked for, but that you may receive a full reward. Anyone who does not remain in Christ's teaching but goes beyond it does not have God. What does it mean to not remain in Christ's teaching. And, you know, there's been a lot of talk about false teaching and those kind of things throughout this season of the podcast. And it's just continual thought of that. 
So how do we focus on remaining in it? We understand that not to remain in it means to fall to false teachings. But how do we focus as believers, as pastors, as listeners to this podcast, how do we remain in Christ's teaching? Well, I don't think it's by accident. Before that, he says, hey, I'm, I'm telling you this again. Like, as, as, and then he says, okay, you know, you have to remain in the teaching. That's why I'm telling you this again so that you can remain in this truth. It, it made me think of back in the book of Judges where it said there was a generation that followed uh, after Joshua and them were buried, and, and it said they had gone to be with their fathers. There arose a generation that did not know God or follow his precepts. And it's like, well, you know, they know that. So that, so things can fall apart in a generation or two um, because we don't teach what we were taught. Um, those those sort of things, kind of like Garnet. So I, I think there's there's some of that in there is is to to preach these same truths over and over and because they they still remain to be true. So right. stay in the Word of God, weigh what you hear. These are all topics that we've talked about throughout the season of the podcast. Um, you know, we talking about technology to start this episode, and we've mentioned it. It's so easily accessible to listen to everyone about everything, and um, to be careful to weigh what you hear to know that it, it is the truth and it's the, the gospel truth. And I think it's what John's telling his believers here, even before it was readily accessible to listen to every teaching and every false teacher and every true teacher and all those different mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. And then he talks about false teachers, and he gives us, um, I would call it practical advice on how to handle false teachers. What is that? He basically says don't invite them into your house or wish them a good day. Yeah, it's pretty strong yeah. language. And I hear this verse quoted a lot. You talk about, like Jehovah's Witnesses coming to your door and those kinds of things. And some yeah, people I mean, you know. will invite them in and try to debate and win the argument and those things. And some people are like, I'm going to go with Second John and just say, go on about your day. <laughs> Not even a good day. Yeah. Yeah. Just go on about it. Hmm. Yeah, that's, yeah, I've never heard that applied to that, to be honest with you. Really? No, uh, yeah, my, my, my pastor growing up, I mean, that's how he applied it. Like he, yeah. I remember one time I had some Mormons come to my mama's doorstep and— uh, I mean, he ran them out of like, cause I mean, that was that, he was fighting for his congregate, you know, yeah. he was somebody this, you know, in his fold, and so he ran them from the house, and so they went to the next door neighbor, and I remember, I remember him getting in his van and following them, shouting out the window at them to get out of that neighbor, cause I mean, he, you know, he talked to her neighbors and stuff yeah. like that. I mean, he he was like, no, like this is my field to be plowing in, like you're you're yeah. not gonna, you know, peddle that stuff here, you know, and so. Right. He uh, he said, "I don't want you invited in any house in this neighborhood." Yeah, uh, and he took that very seriously. Like he, and he ran, yeah, he ran about the neighborhood. They they eventually left because he just kept shouting out about out the window. And he would, he would, good for him. Yeah, <laughs> you know it's funny to hear Pastor Matt say that he's never heard it applied. Like it's the only way I've ever heard it applied. Yeah, but yeah, no, I just never heard it applied that way. Um, that's a it's it's an. I was about to say it's an overly literal, but that's not true. It, it's more literal than the way that I've heard it applied. Yeah. So, so when would you think that you should not even bid anybody a good? Because that sounds. Because we're from the south, so yeah. that seems so non-southern. Like I can't. Oh, yeah. I can't. Even though we disagree, and you are idol worshiper or whatever, like you're a false teacher. I can't it's even say have a good day within you. You know, like we went to Vegas a few years ago when we lived in Arizona. And they pass out little cards in Vegas that no believer should look at. And Ashley got really frustrated at me because as we would walk past all these people, I would go, no, thank you, no, thank you, no, thank you. No, right, th-. yeah, She's yeah, like, yeah. you don't have to tell them no, thank you. I'm like, yes, I do. <laughs> like, you yeah. don't understand. It's so ingrained in me. Mm. But so I understand what you're saying. So, but, yeah, so, but, I mean, John's basically saying, like, don't invite them in your house. Don't even tell them to have a good day. I mean, that that's a simplification of it. But basically, like, no, like, don't. Don't encourage them to keep doing what they're doing. They're false teachers. You should offer them no encouragement yeah. in that, you know? Yeah. yeah I, I don't, again, I don't think he's literally saying, like, do not even acknowledge their existence. Kind of like, you know, how um, the Amish, um, if their kids choose not to continue in the Amish faith and not continue in their Amish community, like, their parents will literally not even acknowledge their existence. They'll stand in the room with them and not even, like, look at them, not acknowledge yeah, them in any yeah. form or way. I don't think he's literally meaning that far, although I th- right. you could apply it that way. Um, I don't think that's his meaning is just as much the same way. I don't think you and I are obligated to kiss each other every time we see each other. Right. Right? 
Greet one another with a holy kiss, kiss, right? I wish you two would start doing that, though. That would <laughs> that's bring not going to happen, I assure you. I would love to see I that. I assure you that's not going to happen. The kiss on the cheek. Yeah, man. but uh, we, don't intake, we don't take that. <laughs> I just love to see how Pastor Shane would react if you did that. He's uncomfortable just thinking about it. I am. For those, <laughs> really for those of you who are listening to this, you can tell on his face. Um, yeah, we don't take that so literal as in to that literal extent. I don't think we have to do that here. I think what he's saying here is, look, you don't need to give them quarter to your life. They don't need to have influence on you. If yeah. it needs to go to the point where you literally chase them from the neighborhood, so be it. Sure. Um, but I don't think necessarily we're obligated to do that. Yeah. And I think the point is false teaching is dangerous. Yeah, don't, think, don't welcome it into your I life. I think my home pastor, I think that was I don't think that was I think that was his application of his understanding yeah, of yeah, his yeah. passage. Yeah. So I agree. I, think yeah. we can all I mean the, the interpretation is false teaching is dangerous. Right. Keep it out of your life. Right. Whatever that looks like. And if you're a pastor, you, I mean, I, I think that would would be, Josh. Like, let's say you were visiting some people from the church or something, uh, and and some uh, maybe Mormons come over. I don't think you would invite them in to have a religious debate in front. Mm-hmm. I, I think you would tell them to leave because yeah. hey, these these people are, right. you know, Christ followers. Like I'm their pastor. Like mm-hmm. you don't need to be here. Don't ever come back. Like that would be. I think that would be an appropriate response based on the application of this yep. verse. Yep. Well, and a lot of false teaching is very dangerous because it starts with a little truth, mm-hmm. you know, and so most of them will begin to ask, do you know the real Jesus? And people say, oh, yeah, I want to know that, you know, and then all of a sudden you've welcomed something in. Now let's kind of transition to Third John, uh, and we kind of addressed this earlier, and probably should address it with Second John. And it starts off the elder. Um, John there, he's, he's referring to himself, sure. and he's kind of signing the letter at the beginning. Is was you know We're used to signing the letters at the end, but That's right. they were much more accustomed to that at the beginning. To my f- dear friend Gaius. Who's Gaius? We do not know. Good friend of uh, John. <laughs> I do. Um, for, friend of John. Just, it, it was a very, uh, didn't Luke write a letter to, some, he mentioned Gaius. And, Theophilus. Luke wrote to Theophilus. Yeah, but I mean, no, he mentioned Gaius in his letter, I want to say. Somewhere in there was the name Gaius mentioned. But anyway, Gaius was a very common name. It wasn't it wasn't one that you can identify like if if it's, it's sort of like John in our um maybe in our culture, a very common name. Like if you said if I asked you, Hey, do you know John? and they were like yeah, I know a lot of Johns. Like, what you know? What's your point? That would have been kind of how Gaius would would have been referred to. So we don't really know much about this this guy. Sure. So there are five references to Gaius in the New Testament. Now, I want to be clear: we don't necessarily know that that was all the same Gaius, right? But his name shows up five times: uh, Acts nineteen, Acts twenty, Romans there at the end, First Corinthians uh, one, and then obviously Third John. So yeah, Luke does reference him a couple times. Yeah, so, but it, yeah, it was a very if it's the it, same guy. Yeah, we don't know uh, if it was the same guy, but it's it's just a very common name. So maybe it was the same guy, maybe it wasn't. I don't think it necessarily matters. You oh, know, no, not for um, us anyway. But um, yeah, so it's very very common, very common. Yeah. So John says, "Dear friend, I pray that you are prospering in every way and are in a good health, just as your whole life is going well. For I was very glad when fellow believers came and testified to your fidelity to the truth." how you are walking in the truth. And so John is obviously rejoicing here that he sees that his dear brother is walking in the truth. And I thought about this from the perspective of pastors. Why does it matter to pastors that their people walk in the truth? Well, I don't, not from a prideful, but, you know, it's kind of like you have a feeling like what I'm, what I'm doing is impacting people mm-hmm. and uh, what I'm doing matters. Mm-hmm. Uh, so from a, from a pastoral point of view, I think that sort of thing is encouraging because, uh, to be honest, I mean, it's kind of like when you're raising kids. You're like, and, and look, I'm still going through this. My kids are 20 and 22, and I'm still going through this. You're like, is anything that I'm trying to teach them getting through? Are they ever, they're ever going to get this? So, um, and, and it made me think because, you know, he's referring to these people as his children. Um, so it just kind of made me think about that. Um, but sometimes it could be like that as a pastor. You're like, man, I, I wonder, am I really impacting people? Are, are they really getting this? Are they really understanding this? And then it doesn't happen all the time or, you know, but I think God gives us glimpses as pastors um, from time to time. Somebody will say something or do something, or maybe they'll even reference one of our 
messages and you're like okay yeah like this is god using them to reassure me like yes this is getting through yes it is impacting people's lives and and it it encourages a pastor to keep on keep it on so to speak mm-hmm. so. i think the short answer is the shepherd cares about the sheep mm-hmm. sure um it matters you know just in the same way that you just, my children really get it you, you're concerned about your kids the reason you want them to get it is because you want them to do well you want them to it's for their benefit it's for their right. benefit not right. yours yeah and i think yeah. in the same way a pastor um when he wants the people that he shepherds to walk in the truth because that's ultimately why we do what we do yeah, sure and it it's there's a lot of different philosophies about ministry and I think John Piper wrote a book called Brothers, We Are Not Professionals. And a lot of people can take the role of pastor and leadership to the CEO mentality of overseeing an organization. Sure. And the point is, that's not who we're called to be. We're not called to lead organizations. We're called to shepherd people. If you shepherd people, you care about people. Yeah. And so I think as a pastor, if you don't care if your people are walking into the truth, if you don't care if your people are growing in the faith, then you're probably not a shepherd at all. Yeah, um, I mean, you've been entrusted to these people. It's not by accident that they come through your doors, so to speak, on Sunday morning, um, that they sit, that they say hello to you, they, they, they sit and listen to your message. They, they are there for a purpose beyond what you, often you can see. So that, that reality that I am taking part in this great grand chorus of God's people uh, that I have been entrusted with this this talent, so to speak. I don't mean talent as in like I can juggle, but talent as in the the parable from Scripture. I've been entrusted to take care of this, and I, that should weigh on us, as it, it as it does. But it should also be something that we just from time to time to remind ourselves like this is the most important thing. This is what we've been called to do with our vocational lives, and we need to honor that and to walk in that and trust that God knows actually what he's doing. (laughs) These people are here for some strange reason, uh, and that we're going to do our best to them um, and care for them and love them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and the opposite, you saying that, the opposite is true too. Like we rejoice when people walk in the truth. Mm -hmm. But when we see somebody that we're shepherding not walk in the truth, it, it doesn't make you mad. It hurts. Sure, yeah. It hurts because you care about them, you're invested in them, those kinds of things. So now he goes into this um, discussion about diatrophus. And Shane, I'd be interested to hear what you were discussing earlier about diatrophus. How do we say this? Diatrophies. Who knows? Diatrophies. Um, but anyway, nonetheless, it's a slanderer of John and the gospel. And so what are the thoughts here? Um, on one, how do we deal with slanders? Because John's kind of given us a lesson here on how to do that. I mean, I think plainly reading it, it, I mean, it seems pretty certain to me that it's a person. Because it says this person is um, slandering, using malicious words. He's not satisfied with that. He also refuses to welcome fellow believers. He even stops those who yeah, want to do so. Yeah, I think all that so. is the important part anyway, yeah. regardless. Um, sure. I don't. It could have been a proper name. It may not have been a proper name. I mean, I think there's, there's people who I've read say, you know, different things about yeah. it. But I, I, the truth still remains, like, like diatrophies – wanted to control he wanted to be in charge he mm-hmm. anybody who's going to take his power uh he would slander them you know say all sorts of evil about them i mean um he's just he was disrupting the church he mm-hmm. was i mean as they yeah. said the antichrist yeah and john's wisdom to um his friend here gaius and to all believers is don't imitate that yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's not but hey, I think get up was, in their face and yeah. I think it was pretty bold. He said, "Hey, whenever I see him, I'm going to you know I'm going to bring this up to him. I'm going to yeah. tell him what I think." Basically, it What's isn't it? interesting though. He says it not only he not only refuses to welcome fellow believers. It doesn't say he not only refuses to welcome the believers. Yeah. So it seems like he's yeah. not completely casted this guy off. Well, I don't, here's what I in, in that the and I know it's kind of like doing word ninja, but I think he's talking about from the body of believers, not necessarily that he is a believer and this guy's a fellow believer, that Diotrephes is a fellow believer. I think he's talking about from the body of believers that they that he he does belong to that body, even though he's not really one of them, because he says, uh, or, I mean, in, in other places that you can be a part of that body but not be a true believer. Yeah, I would think if that were the case, John would point that out. I, I think he, I think well, Matthew's on the right track here that he believes, that he's a believer, mm-hmm that is causing disruption 
He's slandering John. He's questioning authority. He loves his place first, as, as John says. So we see a couple of things that happen here. One, John's addressing it. He's, gonna, he's addressing it to everybody, but he's going to confront this man. And then two, he's telling the other believers, don't imitate that. Don't live that way. That's yeah. not good. Sometimes believers act poorly. Sure. They act selfishly, and um, they need correction. But they also, other people need yeah. to be reminded, hey, that's, that's not the way that you should go and act yeah. and behave. Sometimes I think, and this is a little tangential, sometimes we're too quick to dismiss someone, and sometimes we're too slow to dismiss someone. Yes. Yeah. And I think we, we see, we, we may, I should preface this, Sir. what we may be seeing here is John, like, he's not completely casting him off, right? He's not saying, like, this guy is, is athema, you shouldn't even speak to him, you shouldn't even greet him. Like, I'm going to deal with this when I get there. When I come yeah. and see him face-to-face, I'm going to remind him of the works that he's doing. Because there's a chance for him to be humbled and to repent and to restore and be yeah. restored. Um, again, this is we don't know this for a fact. We're sure. just reading this through here. This passage. Here's the, here's the way I think the way I think is because in verse, he mentions everything bad that Diotrephes is doing. And he says, Beloved, do not imitate evil but imitate good. He's saying what every, everything that Diotrephes did is evil. And then he goes on and he says, whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil is has not seen God. So to me, he's mm-hmm. he's applying that to Diotrephes. Sure. Yeah. Saying that he he hasn't even seen God, let alone known have you, him. Have you ever done evil? But not like yeah, this. But I, I see what Pastor Shane's saying because it's a direct correlation here. He mm-hmm. says his it works for evil and whoever yeah. does it. I mean, I still tend to believe he was a believer just because I think he would have, as strong as John is against false teachers, mm-hmm. I think he would have said, have nothing to do with this man. But that's not what he is. But, I mean, it, I, it could go either way. What I walk away going is, I wonder how Paul would have handled this guy. <laughs> because that's Paul was question. very yeah. confrontational about this kind of stuff. Well, you At still least have, in his writing. You still have the example of the man in Corinthians who he tells them to turn away and let, <laughs> let, him, let his body be turned over to Satan. And then in Second Corinthians... He tells them, okay, you guys have done enough. He's clearly repented. Let's welcome him back into the body. So I, I think you could see Paul doing either of those things if this was okay, the case. I mean, and again, I want to be clear. I, I don't know for certain that's what's going on here. I don't know. Maybe uh, Diophatrice, I'm sorry. Diotrophies. Diotrophies. Uh, maybe, maybe he was uh, athema to the church and he's not okay, giving him opportunity to rest so then he goes and he says you know don't follow this example but let me give you an, a good example everyone speaks well of demetrius even the truth itself and we also speak well of him and so it's helpful for us also to look and go okay don't act like these people in the church mm-hmm. but here here are mature believers here's signs of maturity let's follow um them and let's live according to them this demetrius guy seems like a good guy yeah, clearly it was somebody they would have been familiar with. Maybe he sure. was in the church as well. Maybe another elder or um, another pastor. All right, with that, we will take a break, and we'll be right back for our deep dive. back for our deep dive and today you know paul's talking here about supporting those who preach the truth in fact in verse 8 he says therefore we ought to support such people so that we can be co-workers with the truth and so our deep dive today is why is it important to support missions and other co-workers for the gospel and um, ministries outside of what is going on right here inside our doors well uh one of the reasons is um just being good stewards so you and i today we're in, we're the three of us, obviously, <laughs> are, are serving in a church. But those of you who are listening, you're in a church, and all of us, the, the nerd who's speaking to you now, and even you who are listening, you're here because somebody else was faithful to support somebody to go. 
I mean, we could use the literal examples of the churches that are supporting Awaken, but we could even go deeper and deeper and back, right? Because right. <laughs> one day there was, uh, there's a time period where there was no Christians in North America, and there was a time period where there was no Christians in Europe, and there was no Christians in, in Northern Africa. We could keep going back and back and back. Somebody was faithful to go, and likewise, somebody else was faithful to go and to support those people and to support those churches, because we see examples of that throughout Scripture of, of Paul commending people for their generosity to this other church or to this other uh, other laborers and workers in um, the gospel. So there, it's just it's something that the church has always done for two thousand years. Yes. Yeah. And, and one one question I got asked: Why Tifton? You know why? You know there's churches in Tifton. So yeah. why do you go and plant another church in Tifton? Um, and and one of the reasons is because if you look um, Europe used to uh the the landscape the landscape of of all of Europe was just inundated with chapels and cathedrals and these big mighty buildings and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and Christianity was flourishing and it was going out everywhere and no doubt people looked around and said why would we need to start another church we have these massive cathedrals and we have these chapels and and there's little chapels in every little village outside the main cities and there's mm-hmm. big temples and cathedrals like like we have christianity it's it's here we don't we don't need to start other churches but now and i mean i don't know what the percentage it was a high percentage of europe was considered christianized sure. but now it's a it's a minority of a very big minority and these cathedrals and these chapels and these temples, they're all empty. Many of them have turned into museums. Uh, some of them have even been torn down. And so it, if we were to have that same mentality in the United States, well, you know, there's churches everywhere in the country. So why should we? Well, because every church has a shelf life. The churches that John and Paul and Peter, the churches that they started are no longer in existence. And so... If that were the case here in America, and we're like, hey, we got these churches in every small town America. There's tons of churches. Any denomination, just pick one. Um, well, all churches have a shelf life. So mm-hmm. what's going to happen when those churches die? You can't just say, well, they've died out. So now let's start starting. Let's let's begin starting new churches. By then, it's too late. I mean, what's dead is dead. And so I think it's good to start. Uh, when you have some life, when you have mm-hmm. some vitality. So you start these churches so that when other churches start out, there are vibrant churches to kind of take that place. So mm-hmm. I, I think that's one of the the reasons why you do support churches and and, and missionary efforts, uh, uh, you know, all around the yeah. world and even well, here in Tifton. And, you know, John kind of answers it himself here that we become co-workers. So when you support people who go, you become part of their ministry, part of their work, part of their labor. Um, you know, we have the people, Pastor Matt mentioned, the people that support us here, and they mm-hmm. rejoice when we rejoice. They yeah. pray for us. They um, become invested spiritually into what God is doing here. And I think part of the Great Commission is to go, and the second part of the Great Commission is to support those who go. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't think I don't think you get to pick or choose that. I don't think we get to go, okay, well, I'm going, so we're here at church plant, we're going, so we don't need to support other people that go. Sure. And I don't think you get to go, well, I'm supporting people that go, so I don't need to go. And I see both sides of that. I see when you go start a church and go, okay, well, they're not going to support other ministry works or mission works because they are a mission of themselves. Or I see people go, well, I'm, you know, I'm sending money off to missionaries, so I don't have to go tell anybody the gospel. I think there's an obligation on both parts. And so even as we start a new church here, we talk about this frequently, but we partner with other ministries. Yeah. We support a young man in France who is sharing the gospel with Muslim immigrants. Uh, we support a ministry in Tokorizara, Japan, where they're planting a church Hope there. Alive. Hope Alive. Um, we're supporting a new church plant that just launched uh, two weeks ago in Burlington, Burlington Vermont. Um, we've got a young lady coming here soon that's going to be going to Japan. We're going to be supporting her and her ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... We also support several other ministries through something called Acts 1-8, which basically gets spread out among different ministries. Mm-hmm. But we do that. You go, why Why would a church that can't even fully pay their own bills, that we can't, we're not self-supporting, why would you be sending money out? Because we think that's part of the obligation. Like, that's part of our calling is yeah. to partner with people who are sharing the gospel around the world. Yeah. Essentially, we're building it into the DNA of the church. Because mm-hmm. here's the deal. Me, Josh, and Matt, I mean, we have a shelf life too. We're not going to live forever. And so 
whatever we build into the DNA of the church now, whatever pastor would come along after us, it's already in that DNA, mm-hmm. um, which is which is good for him. It's good, it'll be good for his ministry. So, so we're investing in a ministry that hasn't even really started yet uh, down the road after we're long gone. All right, that's our deep dive for today. We'll be back in just a minute to wrap up this episode and this season of the Wordsmith Podcast. back to wrap up this season of the Wordsmith Podcast through 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. What are your big takeaways um, through all of the things we've talked about on this season on the Wordsmith? Maybe an overarching thought would be that there's there's a lot more in these letters of John than, than maybe I dove in. I mean, I've preached from all three letters before, uh, don't get me wrong, but um, there, there's probably more there that we that we hit on this that I necessarily by myself didn't hit on whenever you know I was studying them independently hmm. so I think and I think that's good you know yeah I mean it's you you forget about um second John and third John in particular but even first John's kind of tucked away it's one of those ones you know right before revelation so it's it's easy to forget it's there and there but there's a, a lot of sure. um, a lot of value and a lot of richness there I guess if I had to summarize it I would say all you need is love. Bop, 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 bop. Um, with all due respect to the Beatles, not that kind of love. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, I think the primacy of love, again, we kind of talked about it at um, various times throughout the season. It's just, man, he keeps going back and back and back. Love of God, love of your brothers and sisters. These are these are things on the same parallel. They're not separate things. They go together. You can't have one without the other. Um, and just the, the primacy of that in our lives and that we don't spend too much time thinking on that and dwelling on that. We, we need to think about it more. We need to meditate on it more. We need to ask ourselves the hard questions. How can I be more loving in my life? And just to add on to that, there's an old song called Trust and Obey. Yeah. There's no greater way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. And with great respect to the author of that song, I'm going to change it just a little bit. <laughs> and my takeaway is love and obey. Hey. I think um, you mentioned love. And then, I mean, there's a lot of emphasis throughout this letter about being obedient in Christ, walking in his commands, walking in his love. Yeah. Um, you know, to truly love him is to, to obey him. And so love and obey would be my takeaways from this letter. It's been a fun season of the Wordsmith Podcast. We'll be back next season with another book, another life. You never know what's coming next. We'll let you know. Um, No matter how you listen to the Wordsmith Podcast, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, almost anywhere that podcasts are played, thank you for listening. Review us, like us, and we'll be back next season with the Wordsmith.